Hey, Osiris listeners. We want to tell you about our friends at Sunset Lake CBD who support this show. Sunset Lake CBD is a Vermont hemp farm crafting affordable CBD products designed to help with sleep and stress without breaking the bank. If you haven't tried CBD before, take it from me, it's a game changer. I use Sunset Lake's tincture every night before I go to bed, helping me get solid, restful sleep. And their gummies are great for daytime. Check out their new Good Vibes gummies, which have just a bit of hemp-derived THC to help you relax and unwind. Sunset Lake CBD crafts products with hemp grown on their family farm and ships them directly to customers. They have tinctures, salves, edibles, coffee, smokables, and even pet products. By the way, their CBD chocolate fudge is awesome. Check them out today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use coupon code TIME for 20% off all products. Sunset Lake CBD, farmer-owned, Vermont-grown. Osiris. The time has come for you to be the guest on Comes a Time. Wednesday, November 17th, 9pm, exclusively on Moment House. Join us for the inaugural Comes a Time Crystal Ball from the Wizard's Castle. Mike and Otil will be consulting my crystal ball that will be filled with your questions, your stories, and your pretty faces. What will the questions be? Well, that depends on you. Head on over to MomentHouse.com for details. Hey, Mike, I-, I can't see clearly. Is that a lightning bolt on your shirt? You're damn right it is, Otil. This is Section 119. Hey guys, we just got our hands on some great new gear from an officially licensed partner of the Grateful Dead, Section 119. Oh yeah, Section 119. They sent me a pair of board shorts. They're actually really cool. I actually uh, wore them on stage and uh, they were really comfortable. You know, I live in board shorts in Florida, so that's kind of my jam. And uh, these have a cool print on them. Bertha's on there and the roses and stuff. I really like them. I got one of the performance polos with the Grateful Dead bolt embroidered in the chest. It's super stretchy, and I love the way it feels when I'm on stage wearing it. I feel like I'm representing the dead and rocking out some jokes in style. Section 119 was started by a couple of fans who wanted more than a lot tee to show their appreciation for the Grateful Dead. They started an apparel line that has everything you can imagine to represent the band at every occasion. And not just the dead, they've got some amazing fish duds as well. From button downs with dancing bears all over it, to board shorts with super vibrant prints and donuts all over your shirts and socks, they've got something for every fan for any occasion. If you're looking for more than a t-shirt to celebrate the Grateful Dead, the folks at Section 119 make the highest quality apparel. Boogie on over to section119.com and use code COMESATIME. That's all one word, comes a time, for 15% off your next purchase. Hey, this is Oteal. If you're liking what you're hearing, head on over to patreon.com forward slash comes a time pod and get your bus pass for an extra episode every week. Welcome back to another episode of Comes a Time. That is Oteal. And that is Mike. We had the incredible George Porter on the podcast this time. Yeah, man. I mean, what do you say, man? Besides George Matters, <laughs> you know. Yeah, he's the greatest. <laughs> We've been missing uh, New Orleans, New Orleans Jazz Fest. Been missing George. He, uh, it's, it was really great that he had. I thought he was going to be miserable not being able to gig. <laughs> he was happy. 
I was like, were you okay, George? You know? He's like, yeah. oh, man, it was great. You know, like getting uh, get some time at home. Yeah. And uh, so it was, it was great to catch up with. I love his spirit so much, man. You know, it kept popping in my head during this conversation was the the synchronous experiences, you know, like the whole thing of like a couple of circumstances in his life ended up giving us funk. Yes, we can th- thank his uh, his dad, dad's hatred of violence and, and, his, donuts. and, and George's love of donuts <laughs> <laughs> and a bus schedule that leads to a donut shop in New Orleans or else what would it have been? There, isn't that weird? It is the path that we, you know that you get to, like, but for what deciding not to deciding to take the bus a different route than he normally took, or it's the donuts, you know, he literally took a wrong to yeah his, his uh to get we don't want to ruin it but yeah, yeah like yeah just why don't you go ahead and listen and uh but man he's got that New Orleans that just like I don't know that place is so special. And I was really excited to go this year to Jazz Fest, but yeah, that hurt. And he was like, "We're going virtual, <laughs> you know that no they won't him. be stopped." I Most mean, resilient place in the world, huh? It's beautiful, yeah. And he's just, I the thing I love about him, he has that same thing like BB uh, King and Willie Nelson, where he's such royalty. You know, to us, he's he's royalty. Yeah, his humility actually just surpasses the amount of royalty that he possesses and is, you know, and that's so a humble. special, special thing, man. So, uh, thank you, George, for coming on and, and, uh, he balances the album. Oh, go ahead. No, he balances the people who have too much ego for not enough talent. <laughs> yeah. He can balance like, he 5,000 of them or more <laughs> of the most egotistical and least talented. You just yeah. put George on the other side. George balances out a Congress. Million. Yeah. <laughs> Easy. Yeah. His new album is streaming on at all crying for hope. Uh, yeah. it's, it's out. I'm going to listen to it. I can't wait to get into it. Um, thank you so much, George. <clears throat> that must've been real. Oteal. I mean, when you think about, funk and you think about bass and you think about all of that like to think he didn't have and i don't want to he didn't he didn't have a george porter yeah to look got up his to. yeah that's what because that's crazy yeah, i don't want to ruin it but yeah you should li- he's like in that first generation of electric bassists in new orleans they were all upright guys yeah. so like he was the guy and uh, you know it's uh and you talk to him and it's like i'm not that guy i'm still i just want to learn to write songs good man so enjoy he's 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 just beautiful and i'm really glad to have him on and i get to just to get to see him again Uh, i've been really lucky to hang with him many 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 times and play with him many many times two bases and Mm. uh man i miss him seeing his face is just like wow uh, enjoy you guys yeah enjoy thank you everyone for listening we're on osiris home to so many incredible podcasts you can go to osirispod.com check those out um we are sponsored by garcia's handpicked cannabis right there 
check out GarciaHandpick.com to find out if they are in your area. And if they are, uh, give it a whirl. You won't be disappointed. And also uh, go over to Patreon and go to patreon.com forward slash comes a time pod and join us for a bonus episode each week. And uh, we have Eric curating some incredible content over there. Thank you to the Wiz. And you, uh, shout out. We've got a couple of big surprises coming your way soon that we will uh, be announcing. So keep uh, your ear to the ground and uh, we'll be able to do a couple of fun events, virtual or otherwise, with uh, the Comes a Time team. So thank you guys for listening and uh, we'll catch you soon. Be safe. Sounds great. I don't have a bass guitar, so... Oh, it's a- <laughs> I'm, I'm, I had to I had to come out to the house in Darrow because um we lost the fence during a during the Ida um, <sighs> hurricane and so uh, inspectors are supposed to be coming out today. No, yeah. you can't play with me while I'm on television. Move. <laughs> <laughs> I just got a new dog, so I'm uh, <laughs> in that world now. It's been seven years. And, oh yeah, uh, yeah. It's pretty funny. What like kind do you have, George? Uh, she's half um, lab and half Datsun. Nice. <laughs> hot dog so, Datsun lab. That's a she's pretty a, hot she's dog. A absolute, she's an absolute uh, um, uh, <laughs> mutt. <laughs> yeah. She's a giant Datsun. She's, she's That's pretty much what it is. It's a foot-long hot dog. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And we were worried. We, we were concerned about you during... Uh, Ida, man, when you see that map and you see these storms hitting important New Orleans, and you're like, God, I hope everybody's okay down there. You know, when you if you've been there and you love it like we do, and you visit and you you you're there, you live there. I mean, it's just God. I I wish there was something we can do to make those storms just. Yeah, just no, a ramp I don't, I don't know. I don't know. We've been we've, we've been trying to do that for. Probably fifty years. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Nobody, no one has came up with that idea yet. You know. So, but you know, but out here, out the house out in Darrow is is um, less prone to, um, you know, the, the wind damage and the, um, stuff because um, we're we're like two and a half miles off the levee in in, in the actual city of Darrow. Mm. And um, so the storms tend to hit that levee and bounce, mm. you know, and and, yeah. and go oh, kind of goes over us, you know, and uh, and 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 it's usually sometimes it'll fall right on top of Gonzalez, you know, but um, and this particular Ida Ida kind of kind of came through, made a lot of noise, and um, and took the took the fence, to, you know, and I have you know not, this is the third time this fence has gone down. You know, so I, I, I'm, I'm definitely, I'm rebuilding the fence with, with metal posts. You know, that's gonna, that, that's gonna be buried, like you know, about two or three, four feet down in the ground. <laughs> you know, because the, the wooden posts snap off at the ground level. You know, so there's still a piece wow. of wood stuck in the ground. Oh. And, and um, you know, so because I guess it's just too much. You know, eleven days. You know. The water saturation <sighs> in the fence. I, I, that fence that went down three times. It's, I'm either, either I'm gonna, well, I can't leave it open because I like letting her out in the backyard. You know, she she likes to run, 
when she, you know, and we don't want to put that electronic stuff on her, so you know, that shocks her to keep her from going across um, zones and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Do you, it's a yeah. I have a friend from Cuba, and um, like they don't have any basements or anything, you know, and they just. He said we just have parties. We get a bunch buy a bunch of alcohol. I mean, I, do you get more resilient to it just because you've lived there for so long? Yeah. I mean, unless like, I mean, obviously Katrina was just like next level. Well, this was know? on the anniversary of Katrina. I this know. Time. I couldn't believe that. <laughs> God, that's crazy. Yeah, that was brutal. Nutty ass Russell Batiste stayed there. <laughs> he texted me. He was texting you. <laughs> he te- this was after the fact. <laughs> and we were on a group text, but he just texted me personally. I wish I could read it because <laughs> you know how he writes and his yeah. funny, like, you know, substitute words and stuff. And uh, he said he got scared and ran to his car and then the car felt like it was going <laughs> to go up and down. And then he got scared and ran back into the house and tried to like, he was just like <laughs> bouncing back and forth. And uh, his wife slept through the whole thing. <laughs> That sounds just, like Russell, man. Right? Like it was Russell. so crazy. Oh like, uh, my god! His wife swept. Yeah. His wife slept through the whole thing. Apparently. Oh my god! I just wow. like you didn't get out of town. I was like, man, I hope you're safe out of town and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and I got like a laughing emoji back or something. I was like, oh man, that I wish that's that's sleep that I'm envious of to be able to sleep through that. Oh my god. I kind of slept through most of my, I don't think I, I, you know, I kind of went to bed, you know, it's, you know, for me, I don't know, for me, hurricanes is not a big deal, you know, I mean, unless you actually feel the house moving and stuff, you know, we we had a generator out here at the house out here, so we didn't, we lost power, uh, um, I think we was out here like about 12 hours before power went out, the hurricane had kind of much, you know, she was still in, in order making her way through, but uh, um, but then when we lost the power, the generator popped right on, and you know, we power was back up, but we lost the air conditioner, hmm. uh, um, because I think the um, you know, the, the, the surge took the air conditioner out, uh-huh. so <laughs> and it was like the you know, over the weekend, so we weren't able to. I got to talk to a guy on Sunday. And he came right out on Monday, and, and then, you know, he fixed the air conditioning, so we were back up and running. You know, uh, um, for you know, for, we were out here about twelve days, huh? Yeah, wow. 12, 12, 12 days, yeah. Jeez. Well, it's it's because funny you say that because that's why I I brought up my friend from Cuba, <laughs> George. That should be a meme, George sleeping through the hurricane. Sorry. <laughs> 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 Just dream bubbles, just dream bubbles popping up under. Yeah, that's tell you it's it's a. I guess it's something that shows your resilience, and you're kind of like, well, what are we gonna do? You know, there's nothing you can do. Staying awake is not gonna. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Just let me go lay down, go to bed, and hopefully that when you wake up, there's a roof over your head. You know, (laughs) if if, if, if raindrops falling on you, you know, uh, uh, um, wake you up, then you know that. Yeah, maybe it might be in trouble. (laughs) Well, when we moved to Florida, um, I hadn't been through a hurricane before. And I happened to have a gig in Denver. And so I'm watching it just come towards Jess and Nigel, and I'm just freaking out. And uh, 
It was with Jason Hahn from String Cheese. It's a band mm-hmm. called Rhythmatronics, and uh, he's from Miami. His mom, I think, still lives there. Was in an apartment. She was like, "I'm not leaving." And the drummer is from Cuba, and he was like, "Man, don't they'll be fine. Don't sweat it." You know, and they they really talked me down. So yeah. I, I was lucky to be with those two when I experienced my first hurricane, and because uh, I was really freaking out, you know. But uh, you know, one thing I wanted to ask you, I know you're back to gigging now, and back out there because. You know, me, I, I have a, enjoy a break. I think of you, when I think of you, it's just like, you just go, go, go. You love it. I mean, obviously, you wouldn't be playing so much. But how was it, like, not getting to play for so long? Did that really do a number on your head? I No, not at all, man. I, I, actually, I actually enjoyed, you know, boy, you know, what, what, what we did during that downtime is that we just, you know, I went back in the studio. I recorded a record. Nice. <laughs> uh, can you put it up uh, close so we can see it? Let's see. I, I don't know. Where, where the camera at in this thing? Right yeah. there. Perf- perfect. Yeah. And we'll yeah, also. Called Crying for Hope. And, um. And you know, but we were we worked uh, um, doing you know using Pro Tools, and we worked in in, um, in the cloud, so everybody was at their home studios, you know. And we kind of you know we did the did the work at the home studios, nice. and um, and it, it was really well. And my you know Vicky, she wakes me up every morning at seven a.m. you know because to go do her business, but she's been a naughty girl here lately, and. Um, <laughs> But uh, uh, you know, so when she wakes me up, you know, I would go downstairs and uh, and and feed her and let her out, and then um, you know, I would sit on the sofa while she was fooling. I used to I kept my acoustic bass downstairs, so I would just start plucking on the bass, you know, you know, seven o'clock in the morning, just kind of picking around, and I started bumping into some ideas. I said, whoa, whoa! So I pulled my phone over and pressed the little record button, you know, the voice recorder just play those bass lines and then went back to bed, you know? Nice. And so later, later, later that day I wake up and I'll bring the voice recorder up to the, uh, up to the um, studio and, and drop it in into the Pro Tools session and, and then upload it to Mike Lemler, who was a keyboard player. And uh, Mike was, you know, kind of, um, cause I would put, I would put A sections and B sections and then he would kind of temporalize them and make them all an even tempo. And um, because I don't know how to do all that stuff, and and then he would, you know, he would piece it together and then send it back to me to ask me, you know, what order do you want these parts in, you know? And wow. you know, I was, you know, and so we started mapping it out like that, and then, you know, he um he creates a, a drum loop to work with the um you know with with what I played, and then we you know the the song just built from there. But by the time me and Mike has what I, we wanted done, we'll call Chris uh, uh, Atkins in. And um, Chris would, would work from his studio at his house and he would put his guitar parts on, you know, and um, and that's the way we're doing. Terrence, Terrence got the tracks after they were all recorded, basically, with my vocals. You know, I had Mia Borders and um, um, Susan Kalsow writing lyrics for some of the songs. Aye. And um, and uh, then we'd give Terrence the, the track. It'd be the session, you know, and he he would play drums to, you know, to all of our what we playing. So he would play all those incidentals and those you know accents around, you know, around what we what he was hearing, you know. And I was I'm proud I'm real proud of this project. It's um my very first um 
um, session, well, session in what, ten, almost 10 years, I think, something like that. And, um, and it was, wow. you know, it was good. And I like it. I actually like the music. <laughs> <laughs> That's important. Was that one of the first times that, like, that early morning practice, that early morning ritual uh, or is that something that you've always done? I'm always fascinated by that. Like who works at, you hear some writers can't write until everyone's asleep and it's the wee hours. Some people say, get up as early as you possibly can. And you're a late night guy, O'Teal. George, I'm wondering, was that like, a, was, was doing in the morning? Was that like new to this? That was frame? new. That yeah. was new. Yeah. That, that, uh, I, I did that, you know, and I haven't done it since, you know, uh, <laughs> I believe like, I, did, I think it was seven songs. Um, on the record that got done that you know that way seven mornings you know and wow. uh, and, uh, and and but uh you know the the original the recording happened you know the session we started that session like two years ago and then the guitar player quit brent anderson he left the band i just tabled the session i said man you know i'm just leaving this alone because i was listening to it and i wasn't really happy with what i was hearing on the guitar and then it could have been just a, a you know, backdoor anger. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, I don't want to hear that toss anymore. You know, so <laughs> I just tabled that whole that whole session. And um, you know, and with the new with Chris Atkins playing guitar now, it was like you know, I spoke with with Michael and I said, man, you know, Chris would sound was killed on these sessions. You know, so. We said, yeah, let's do that. So that's what made me start originally just putting the stuff up there for for Chris to to, to work on the um you know the um the oh, the guitar part. So we thought that was all we was gonna do. Those nineteen tracks that we got caught recorded already, that Chris was just gonna put guitar on those nineteen tracks and then we select from them. But then I added seven brand new concepts and seven new mindsets, you know. So we still we still have um but about 12, <laughs> 12 tracks that's in the can that's, you know, that I'm still going to get Chris to work on because, you know, it's the, some of the, the tracks are really good. You know, they just, you know, just don't doesn't like the guitar parts anymore. Wow. <laughs> I love that's it, awesome, man. So man. you were just, you you did what a lot of artists did. You know, it's been, the pandemic's been really hard for a lot of people, but I've noticed a lot of artists really were able to pivot you know, and just make something good out of it. I can't wait to hear your singing, man. I got to tell you, when you <laughs> played with, uh, actually, I don't even think it was with Dead and Company because I think I heard you do it before you sat in with us. Uh, I think we might have been playing with Steve Kimmock. And I think you sang Eyes of the World. Oh. And man, my my insides... My DNA just started unraveling the helix and just flying free. Like, man, your singing is just a revelation. Um, and I think I've heard you sing Sugary too. Am I, is that right? Yeah, I've done Sugary. I believe that was um, what didn't didn't you didn't you play with uh, with with with, um, with the Porter Trio at um at the Maple Leaf? One of those um, those jazz best times. I probably <laughs> we've had, we cross up so much. Yes, you probably I trust your memory better than mine. But I just man, you're singing like I I know this is probably blasphemy, but your eyes of the world is my favorite. I think uh, hopefully uh, <laughs> maybe Eric can play a slice of it. 
you know, in the somewhere in the podcast, sure. like put a. It's unreal, man. Your interpretation of that song. So I really. When did you first like get turned on to them? It's probably. Well, you know, Steve Kimmock, um, um, brought brought me into that to that family because um, he um he was doing a tour with Mickey Hart, and with wow. Mickey's um solo uh um project, and um. And I believe the I think I believe I was I was subbing again for Reed Mathis because Reed couldn't be there for the whole tour, and uh, and Mickey was kind of anal about wanting the same people playing every night, you know. So um, Steve brought me brought me into the Mickey thing, and um, and Jen Durkin I believe her name is yeah. was was yeah. singing for for that for that organization, and. Um, and you know, so that's why that was my first introduction to some of the meters, um, uh, not the meters, but some of the uh, the dead dead stuff. But um, we were doing almost probably seventy five percent of new music that um that was that was wrote for that band. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So th- th- we didn't do a whole lot of the uh, of the the deep dead stuff. It wasn't until a few years later when I I played with um. Papa Molly and and, yeah. and 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 Bill and the Seven Walkers band that, that it was, was great. You know, we started reaching into you know I started reaching into the, um to playing that the, you know the real dead stuff you know and 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 uh, you know I I kind of went for after I found that book they um somebody I don't know who I gave who gave I think it might have been Steve Kim I gave me that 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 book the Bible. You know, uh, of, of all of those dead songs, you know, and I just started bringing them into, you know, because I just basically didn't want to try and remember all this stuff. I just read them, oh, you yeah. know, I just, I I just tried to read my way around my, you know, and, you know, and, you know, it was like, with oh, I don't remember, but with, with Mickey, he wanted me to be more melodic. He wanted me to play more, you know, and, and I was, you know, I'm a pocket player. I don't. I don't really, you know, well, I do now. <laughs> I've learned to be busy, but I mean, you know, but I, you know. <laughs> I learned to be busy. <laughs> but, uh, but uh, you know, Mickey wanted that. I mean, Bill, Bill liked being me, me being in the pocket and playing that stuff. And Malcolm was kind of, uh, uh, and you know, with the more the more of those songs that were bringing into the thing. I just, you know, eyes of the world and sugar reed. Uh, um, I, I just, I just thought that man. I like to sing these two songs. Uh, 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 Would you mind? And and, um, and and Bill kind of encouraged it, you know. And, and, and Malcolm, because Malcolm was doing all of the singing for that band. Yeah. And uh, and and so and Bill and Bill said, Yeah, yeah, yeah. You should do that. You should do that. You should do that. So we. You know, I gave it a couple of days, you know, me just getting it in my head and then we had a, re- a sound check, you know, I, I pulled it out and Billy stopped the track and just stopped it, you know, just started saying, bro, that's your song from now on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you, you, you own these songs, you know, that's yours, uh, you know so. <laughs> That was a fun band. That, that was, to go back and listen to that. Thank God for the fact that we can go back and find recorded shows now and listen. Those Seven Walker shows were something else man there i still hear fun, you there was some fun moments man there was some fun moments yeah yeah the music is wide open like that it's funny you say i learned to be busy because 
you know, I'm I'm interested to talk to you about this specifically because I'm always considered like the busy bass player. You know what I mean? <laughs> and it took me a long time to uh, just, you know, accept what you are. You know, I don't want to be like stepping on everybody. You know what I mean? But yeah. a certain amount of like, you have to kind of lean into who you are, you know, and people always are very kind of dogmatic about one way or the other. Right, right. But like, you're like, I'm, I'm a pocket guy. Like, I don't want to play like that, but I know you like my plan. So for like bass players out there, I I guess I'm trying to ask or show, is there more than one way to do it? Like it's not one or the other, you know? Yeah. I well, I think there's a happy medium there somewhere. You know, I mean, I think That's the player, looking. the player, is, the, the actual player has to determine which, you know, we uh, know when is the right time to use chops, you know, because yeah. I mean, you know, because I mean, chops don't always work, you know, mm-hmm. and, and but, you know, I mean, but the Grateful Dead made a living off of chops, you know, that over everybody chopping at the same time, you know, <laughs> and, and, and it, so it was it was like, you know, I mean, I used to I used well, I, I said that when when um, when when I got the call, let's say. I said, well, that was this was David Byrne. I'm skipping it down. But cause, you know, because I mean when I got that David Byrne session, it, it was like, man, they got guys in, in New York City that play this stuff way, way much better than I do. Mm. I mean, you know, why you know what you want me to do, you know? And then guy just told me, David's producer, just say, man, be yourself, you know, just be yeah. what you be what do what you do. And, and you know, and 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 right, you know, me and myself. Fact that I I have a I have a, a a religious thing about you know um, leaving backbeats alone. You know, I kind of yeah. stay away from the backbeat. I don't. I try not to put a note on the backbeat if I could help it. Hmm. You know, and um, so you know, I, so you know, playing with the drummers has you know, I think is religious for me. So I you know, so. I tend to be okay, but like playing with Bill, man, Bill is so so wide open. <laughs> you know, Bill, Bill is like playing with Albert Jones. You know, man, you know you can you can get to you can get to to enter in some neighborhoods. You know, that's I think that's when I learned <laughs> that I can play a pocket, you know, and still do other things. You know, uh, um, because you know Billy is so wide open. You know. I mean, but you getting to play with two guys, I mean, Billy and Mickey, you know, it's like, wow, that was, that, you know, that was like, that would be, um, you know, that would, that would take some thinking on my part, you know, it's like. Um, it's interesting for me to hear you talk about the pocket <coughs> playing, George, because like thinking back on all I've heard that you've played too, it's like, there are certain times where I feel like you're the most prominent and the most important you know, sound or sonic piece at the right times. Same with O'Teal, where it, it feels like when you, it's like you know when to throw the fastball high and inside, or you know when to kind of throw a change up or walk it. You know, it, it seems like there are moments where you know, okay, this is where I'm going to carry it. Get on my back and let me do my thing and then yeah. slide back into the pocket. Has it changed over time with people, like with the years with the, with the meters and everything? I mean, there are just moments where you just, you own you own that space. Well, you know, with the meters, I think my uh, my playing was very much more spacey. 
I'd had I had a lot more space in, in, in my playing with the meters, especially the, the, the you know the songs that bass lines were dictated to me by Zig or even Leo. Uh, um, um, you know, when I when I left to my own my own input um, with those meters things, you know, Alan Toussaint is kind of you know kind of always you know kind of said you know man it's not what you play it's what you don't play that's going to make this music happen mm-hmm. you know now he had very he had very little or to no input on meter music but um you know but working with him as much as i did with the, the um the, uh, the sessions that we recorded you know with patty labels and the Michael jones and the lee Dorsey's and, and the, you know the earl kings and those projects um, you know, I you know I kind of walked away with a, with an idea of what not to play and when not to play. So um, I, I you know I still practice and I, and I still and I still even see you know and, and as much as I can uh, that it's not what you play. It's not it's not you know it's with the, it's the space that you leave um, you know leave for other things to you know and what Alan it was you know you never knew because he would bring this the rhythm section in and you know and he would give us parts to play mm. and if you play something else he would stop the session and say you know hey you don't know who you're stepping on you know and so um you know don't play that wow. <laughs> it used to aggravate me you know because it was things <laughs> I'd be hearing little things you know and I say oh man this <laughs> it's it's got to get out. Yeah, it's gonna feel good here. Yeah, <laughs> you know? let you scratch that itch. You know, <laughs> and, you know, and he was stopping it. Hold up! Don't do that. <laughs> okay, all right. Stop that, man. That's crazy. <laughs> it's funny because I, when I think of you, I just think of like you, just like gig after gig after gig. But you have, you're, you were a session guy. You did so many <laughs> sessions. Like, that's a, I, I can't, have, what was it, what was the atmosphere like in New Orleans when Alan Toussaint died? I mean, I, when he passed away? Yeah. Oh, uh, man, it was like, it was, mm, it was, it was like we had pretty much lost the soul of the city, you know? Uh, um, You know, he was, he was, he was a strong, um, entity uh, you know yeah. um and he was you know it was just this presence that always he was always such a mild mild and yes yeah you know he spoke really quiet you know and uh and you know it was he, he was you know when that when that quietness disappeared you know, realized that it wasn't around anymore you know it's kind of like wow you know that silence was definite you know yeah, it was um, it was different. It was for me. It was like it 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 tore me apart. It broke me. I was on the road. I was in a hotel room somewhere on the road, you know. And for me, it was like I've I've been always on the road when somebody important for me dies. You yeah. know, it just seems like it just I'm always not home when something important you know passes away. Now this time, Alan. Uh, this time when Alan passed away, I, I think I was. I was in a hotel, but he was in a hotel in another country, mm. you know? So it was like, you know, and the thing came to my mind is that, man, you know, we, we lose all our friends, you know, um, 
you know, we talk, we, you know, we lose our friends when we are nowhere, you know, we're not, not nowhere able to be close to them. You know, it was like, it's kind of crazy, man. I was, I was thinking about Pee Wee the other day, man. I was thinking about him. And two days later, I, I hear that he passed away. You know, it was like, wow. <laughs> it was just like, yeah. I was just thinking about this guy. You know? It's weird how it's just not stopping. It's just on and on and on. And I'm like, am I just more aware of it because I'm getting older or is this weird? You well, know? you know, I, I believe for, for, uh, uh, for, for me, I'm almost now, I'm in that community of, 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 <laughs> the, senior, of the senior citizens. <laughs> don't, don't you go anywhere. <laughs> yeah. It's a sad it, it's a sad moment when you're in that hotel and you, yeah, and you, you hear go. that and then you're you're kind of like that hotel feels even lonelier though when you when you hang up that phone and you heard about something like that and you're like well I'm I'm out here for another couple of days or weeks that's hard yeah it's it's like it's like it's not it's not a comfortable thing and I know I'm not and I'm you know as many times that it has happened to me I'm I'm you know you would think that I would get numb to it but it's still you know that feeling of man. I don't want to leave home anymore, you know. So I think that was the, the fact that 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 COVID kind of kept me home for years, a year plus, you know. It was like, man, I, I kind of like it. <laughs> I kind of like it at home, you know. It's like, yeah. you know, um, it was different, man. You know, it was different. <laughs> you know, we're, you brought up Alan Toussaint Otil, and you know, just I think about the how I got introduced to a lot of like the new orleans sounds and stuff and how i became I'm, I'm madly in love with new orleans i love it so much so sad about this year's jazz fest not happening oh. i was gonna be bringing my wife there for the first time but uh oh, yeah well, i think we're gonna be virtualizing <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> um but here in southern nights like hearing that that like the intro and how orchestral and how like like angelic it all was. And then to learn about Alan and learn, learn about how many instruments he played. Like I never realized that he, he played so many different instruments from it's kind of um, a common thing in new Orleans, isn't it? Everyone. Like, yeah. yeah I was going to ask, so like, it seems like, and, and that just be, that must just be from the communal playing all night. Just come on up, pick something up, learn as we go yeah. kind of thing. Right. Well, you know, I've never I, I heard rumors that he played other instruments. I've I've only seen him play guitar and piano. Uh, I've never seen him play any 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 other instruments. Um, oh wow! But uh, um, but you know, I saw him play, and he was playing. He was you know he's like myself, rhythm guitar players, you know, yeah. and he he had such a great rhythm feel, you know, oh, when yeah. he was playing, and he played these little things like. Where you make like an owl, owl kind of sound, where you, where you take him, you play the chord, but you lift that, you lift that, um, what's it, one, two, three, that fourth finger. Owl, <laughs> 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 you know, you make that kind of thing. I don't know what they call that, but that's, you know, he was the first, he was the first guy I seen do that. You know, I, I first heard that, that idea. And I said, whoa, man. I have to learn how to do that, you know. <laughs> so, I mean, so I I do that now. I I have I, I apply that sometimes to playing bass, kind of thing where you, where you know you can hit that you hit that you hit that note you hit that one and that five together, but kind of raise that five and ground down on it. You know, it's like ah, oh, nice. 
That's so awesome. That's amazing. <laughs> how many sessions do you think you did with him? With Alan? Yeah. Ooh, wow. I would have to pull up my book. <laughs> you know, now, well, let's see. You have um, a book of all the sessions gosh. you've done? Well, no, I believe there's uh, my bio has, you know, has oh, all, yeah. of this, all, all the sessions that I was on. And 90%, of the, you know, 80% of those sessions, that's on my bio, all Alan Two Cent sessions. Um, you know, uh, um, I did some. I did do a few sessions with Eddie Bull. I did. Um, mm. uh, I did a few with um, um, with um, you know the Hammond Scott. This is another producer outside of, of you know that that Blacktop Records stuff. I did the Earl King and Snooks Eaglin records and an Cajun guy. Um, I can't remember his name. August. Yeah, his name is August. Somebody August. But um. But most of the sessions, you know, was done with Alan, you know, and and then the people's names that, you know, that you don't see or hear. I haven't seen it. I mean, one of my actual favorite records was done with that the, the, the Canadian kid, uh, King Biscuit Boy, Richard Newman. Mm, that's, a, that's, a, that's a that's a killer record, man. That's a killer that record. <laughs> I King heard Biscuit that Boy. you did some uh, that you've. Guys did some Motown stuff at one point. Not me, Leo. Who did I hear that? Okay, Leo. Leo, Leo did some Motown stuff. Uh, um, you know, pre- way before the meters. Uh, um, he was out on the road, but I believe it was Joe Jones at the time. Uh, um, and um, the cups and and uh, I believe that um, he but Joe Jones bought a kind of big a big New Orleans aggregation up to Detroit. And um, wow. they they were playing at a little club, um, Mr. Mr. Somebody, Mr. D's or something like that. And um, and and the um, owner um, of Motown and a couple of his people went in the club that night, and they heard Smokey and Leo and the bass player named George French uh, um, yeah. playing. And um, they, they, um, they Barry Barry. Um, Gordy, right? This is Barry Gordy. Yeah. Um, he invited the, the three of them in to um, do some sessions. So they did they did a couple of things, I believe, with some early Supremes and um, more, is it Martha and the Mandela's, I believe. Wow. That would, that would be in Leo's bio. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks for listening. We'll be right back after this. Hey there, Osiris listeners. I wanted to tell you about our friends over at Smart Wolf. For more than 25 years, Smart Wool has been making merino wool socks and apparel designed to keep you comfortable. Because they want to help you play, laugh, and explore in the outdoors with every thread they knit and every step you take. Because they believe that comfort sharpens focus and lets you perform beyond your limits. They're here to help you feel good. Now, it's up to you how far you will go. Take 15% off of your first order at smartwool.com. Smart Wool. Go far, feel good. What's up, everyone? I'm Mike. And I'm O'Teal. And these are our Sunset Lake CBD gummies that are almost gone. Sunset Lake CBD is a farmer-owned business that ships CBD products directly from their farm to your door. For years, Sunset Lake was a Vermont dairy farm producing milk for Ben & Jerry's ice cream. In 2018, they diversified and started growing hemp for CBD. And with a product for everyone, 
They offer pre-rolls, hemp cigars, and hemp flowers, as well as tinctures, gummies, and CBD-crafted coffee to help with stress, aches, and pains. Sunset Lake CBD saves you money by shipping high-quality CBD products directly from their farm to your door. Want to know what I've been using a lot of, Oteal? This salve with the arnica uh, yeah. on, my, on my old bones. You get back from a show and you got tore ankle, rub a little bit of this on there. You're ready to dance the next day. And you know, S- Sunset Lake uh, comes a time listeners can visit sunsetlakecbd.com and use promo code TIME for 20% off of their purchase. That's sunsetlakecbd.com, promo code TIME. And tell them we sent you. Hey, everybody. Wednesday, November 17th at 9 p.m., Comes a Time is doing our first live event brought to you by Moment House. That's right, folks. We are having the inaugural Comes a Time Crystal Ball, and you're all invited. The time has come for you to be a guest. So all of our foot traffic, our bus riders, our space travelers, we want to hear from you. The wizard has invited us to his castle, and he has summoned the crystal ball, and that's where you will appear with thoughts, questions, comments, and Otil and I and you will be joining together to uh, make a very special event. So head on over to momenthouse.com and uh, we will be providing the links and we really want you to join us. We thought, right Otil, for our first event, what better guest than our new friends? Absolutely. So send in a video question. Uh, The best questions will get priority. And our Patreon uh, patrons will get priority. Attendance is mandatory, but not required. So we love you guys, and uh, we will see you live at the Crystal Ball. Thanks for listening. Man, I want to talk to you about Zig, because, man, you know, you and Zig uh, talk about religion. You said that's my religion, the, you know, the thing with the drummer, and that's mine, too. I think that's why I got away with overplaying or busy because as long as long as i'm linked up with the drummer if i'm in the pocket then i'm not blowing the groove yeah you and you and zig the way i mean y'all's thing what you said he wrote certain bass lines which ones are those well um see zig zig um i believe just kiss my baby was was Ah. zig's bass line um it was yeah. most of the ones that he's saying people stay, yeah. you know, that was, you know, yeah. that the, most of the ones that he actually sang, you know, he came, he came with the idea, this is what I want, you know, I, I, don't, I don't want, you know, so, and, and so that's, you know, that was kind of, the, that was, that's kind of where it went with a lot of the, um, the, you know, probably majority of the, of the meter stuff. They, they say. I was I was just a bass player, you know. I, I and I and I did very the early sessions, you know, the, the instrumental stuff. Um, but when we got to cab, by the time we got to Cabbage Alley, you know, the the individual songwriters in the band started becoming more visible, and uh, and started bringing in um, works that was a completed work of music. Yeah. And that you know that you know art myself would apply apply our, our ourselves to you know. Yeah, but you, you guys chemistry together like in the jams and stuff. Is that just from? I mean, obviously you know, so many years. How old were y'all when you started playing together? Um. Well, 
Zig was 16, so I was 17. I was 17, I mean, yeah. That's and um, but by the time we moved into Bourbon Street, I think because we had to get Zig, uh, um, what you call it, on uh, he had to get a work a work permit to play in the French quarters. Uh, um, back then, because he was seventeen and I was eighteen at the time. Wow, you know, I, there's certain cities. Otil, do you ever think about this? About how, like, you know, even in New York City, right? Like, I work mainly in New York City, and you see people. Little kids running around New York City, and you go, God, what would it, what was it like being a child in New York City? New Orleans is one of those cities, and I always wonder, like, what was it like being a child in you know the fifties in New Orleans and running around the streets and and having fun? Was it a fun environment for you to grow up in? Did you enjoy being a kid in New Orleans? Hell no, man! I got beat up all the time. <laughs> really. <laughs> I was in a neighborhood where I, and I, you know, I was my little brother used to actually fight for me. <laughs> Your little brother? I didn't, I didn't, you know, I didn't, man, I don't know. You know, I, at eight years old, I got a guitar and I wanted to play guitar. So the last thing in my mind was to ever do was to hit somebody with these. You Ruin know? your hand, hit yeah, money makers. You know, so I wouldn't, you know, I would just get the daylights beat the shit out of me. <laughs> and my little brother got sick and tired of seeing me be, getting beat up. You know, he started beating up people. You know? <laughs> <laughs> wow. But uh, no, I, I, you know, but, but, you know, probably from around five to eight, um, you know, you know, we, it was mostly, you know, because I lived in a house where I had a school teacher. My mom was a school teacher and my next door neighbor was my school teacher. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, and, and my dad was a presser, you know, who drank Dixie beer on, 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 on Friday with, with his boys, you know. And so it was like, you know, you, you, you got to play in the front yard. You don't venture out past that front yard, you know, but we, it was the little area that we had, it was like four, house, four houses together and uh, um, just shotgun houses. And we had, you know, we had a, a probably like in front of each one of those houses, it was probably like a, from the steps to the sidewalk was probably 35, 40 feet maybe, you know. So that's, that's, that was your neighborhood. You. You didn't leave out of that area. It wasn't until after we was older that we was allowed to leave that space, you know, because my mom, you know, I was I was probably more like close to, well, it was after eight because we were living on, on Padilla Street. Then when we moved to Padilla, from Gravity Street to Padilla Street, that space that me and my brother used to have in front of our house went away because the steps ended at the curb, at the sidewalk, you know. Mm. You walk out the steps and you on the sidewalk, you know, so it was like either you sat on the steps or you would work your way around the neighborhood. But wouldn't if you went, if your mom called, my mom called and had to call my name twice, I was in trouble. She <laughs> <laughs> called, she called, she call you once, you know, and you'd best be home, you know, because if she came to that door a second time, she, get, she didn't come there with an empty hand. <laughs> <laughs> and when did you pick up music? Like, was bass your first thing? or No, the piano was my first, the first thing. I, I, I played piano 
But that was, I took lessons, but, I, you know, I, I keep saying I played piano. I, I played on a piano. <laughs> 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 uh, um, it was actually Zig's uh, older brother, Clinton, was giving me piano lessons. And, um, but, you know, that didn't last because the competition between Zig and myself, you know, as, as youngsters, you know, this was seven years old, you know, it, it just was too, you know, too involved because, you know, a six-year-old kid is looking at his brother teaching somebody else how to play piano, you know, and he wants, he wants a part of that, you know. Wow. And um, mama, mama, his mom just kind of threw a brick in that, said, ah, ah, enough of this, ah, ah. Go on, Porter. Go, go, go on, go on, George. You know that was the, the end of my piano lessons. Did you Did you have one in the house to play? No, no, that was the only thing. There was a piano in the house, so whenever I wanted to play the piano, I had to go go by their house, you know, which was like well, four blocks, you know, just go four blocks down the street and go to the house and play on the piano, you know. But um, no. So when did you get to the bass? How did you? Well, bass guitar came. Oh, 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 Denise just pulled my coat. I forgot about the violin. At uh, six years old, I think it was six, my mom, you know, see, my mom sang in the Catholic choir, you know, in, in the choir of the Catholic Church. The, the, the choir director named Gus Lowton, very flamboyant guy. And he was telling, he was telling, he said, Henrietta, if you want to save those boys from the street, get them an instrument. You know, I strongly suggest you get them violins. You know, <laughs> get, get them, get them violins. So my mom went to um to Worldline's music. You know, they had a program over there. Uh, um, that, you know, that you can um sort of like a least purchase kind of thing, but it wasn't really that yeah, back then. They wasn't calling it them back then. So, you know, my mom bring home these two violins for me and my brother. You know, and you know that that you know she gave us the thing, and me and my brothers, <laughs> and my dad came home from from work, not having a good day, I'm assuming. And my dad, my dad heard heard, heard that noise, man. He when he opened that door, he just opened that door and said, "Hell no." <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's going to lose something in here. You know, you're going to get that stuff out of here, you know. Stop! You know? So we have we have your dad to thank for funk. <laughs> yeah, he might he might have he might have had to, his nose was, you know, might have, might have, might have came up with that. <laughs> so so when did you how did you gravitate towards the bass guitar? Well, Art Neville probably had a had a hand in that because um, I got sent to a, a play a, a gig with him by a kid named uh, what kid Herbert Wing. He was older than my, and um, Herbert, um, you know, was he would play these gigs. Art would go play solo gigs, but he would always bring a guitar player with him because he wasn't a soloist. He can play. He, he play his chords and he sing his, you know, accompany his sing, but he couldn't solo. So he'll bring a guitar player along to solo for a solo with him. And um oh Vicky wants to get in the picture. So, yeah, <laughs> hey girl. Oh, hi. <laughs> um so so um I played the gig with him that night. And um so he get to the part of the songs where you know he wants to solo. Yeah, stop. No, get on. <laughs> and uh and 
And um, he, again, he would be look at me to take the solo. And I said, no, no, I don't solo. I'm a, I'm a rhythm player. <laughs> so you were playing guitar on the gig. Yeah. Uh-oh. Denise, answer this phone call. I don't know what the phone is. Oh. That's that's that hunter. That's not my electrician who's calling probably saying he's coming early. Um, yeah, get that tightened up. It may be in the phone, in the call. Um, so he um, he says um, at the end of the night, he, you know, he's bringing me home. And he, he looked at me and he said, man, you're the worst guitar player. <laughs> <laughs> You are the worst guitar player I ever heard, man. You know that, but not, and I, I figured that that you know I, I figured that that's gonna be the last time I ever see you on Neville. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! But uh, but you know, but a few years later, you know, by then I kind of gravitated because it was um it was a need for bass players at the at electric bass players. There were there were tons of upright players, but there wasn't no electric bass players uh, um, in the city at the time. And the electric bass had came, you know, came a part of the fabric, you know, of the city. So um, mm. I, um, you know, I just kind of gravitated toward to that instrument, you know. And, so you um, really didn't have like an electric bass <laughs> mentor then. The, the, my bass mentor was this guy named Papi Benjamin Francis. I would think that, you know, and I and I met you still in front of Oh man. Can you pack it? Go for it. My, well, give me a second, guys. Yeah, take your yeah, time. Yeah, we right? could edit. Oh, okay. Oh. We need to find the telephone. It's not under that bag. That's not it in your pocket? I see a square in your front pocket. No, that's not it. <laughs> I haven't been anywhere. I get that electricity. So the guy got to come in and, 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 and fix my the, the light switch in the kitchen. And he's calling. Okay. You found it? Yeah, call him back. Talk to him. Um, so, um, you know, I was, I was doing my guitar lessons. You know, for two years, I took guitar, uh, took classical guitar training. Hmm. And one morning, uh, one Saturday morning, on my way to my classical class, um, I bumped into, I bumped into, um, uh oh, there you go. I bumped in, uh, I, I, I turned this corner early, earlier. I usually make my, I go straight from my house to Galvin Street, catch the bus at the corner of Padilla and Galvis. But this particular morning, I went to Dirger Wall and made that right turn to go over to Gravity Street that was gonna make a left and then walk up to the corner of Tulane and Galveston and catch the bus. By the donut stop, because I was gonna go by the donut stop and grab a donut. So when I got to the when I got to the corner of 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 of, of Gravia and 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 uh, and Dirger Wall, I started hearing this guitar music. So uh, um so I since I paying attention, I turned the corner. And I see this guy and his grandfather sitting on the steps on uh, um, playing. Well, two things that I that that grabbed me uh, um, from what they were playing is the, the music that he was, the type of music was playing. But the second and most important thing was the, the formula that he was using for playing. This old man was playing, you know, the, with the you know with the multiple fingers uh, on his right hand, like you know, like the classical player would play. 
but he was uh, playing blues, you know, and and he was, you know, he, he was playing, you know, St. Louis Woman and all those kind of the little great blues songs, and you know, and my my classical teacher was teaching me how to play Home Home on a Range, you know, a Red River Valley, you know, and I said. No, oh, I said, well, man, that's not, man, I want to learn how to play that music, you know. Yeah. That music is more appealing to me than, than Home Home on the Range, you know. But, and I understand the concept, you know, of learning classical music by um, playing country western songs because of the simplicity of the song and, and you know, and you learning the formula. Um, but I just thought that, you know, blues, you know, was just as, you know, as simple and in the formula could be a, can apply, you know. Um, mm -hmm. So when I got to my next recital, which was the second recital that I would have done, um, instead of playing uh, "Home, Home on the Range," I played uh, um, "St. Louis, um, St. Louis Blues," wow. and my teacher got upset and sent me home. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so he so said, "You'll never amount to anything. <laughs> <laughs> you got no discipline." <laughs> An amazing one particular morning. It's always there's always that particular you morning. Just watch what corner you turn. <laughs> the donuts. Thank the donuts. you, donuts. Yeah. Donuts and dad are, are who we have to thank. Does that I mean, guy ever see you like what you became? Poppy, in fact, I, I had a I had a conversation with him about about three about three or three or four months ago, and I was supposed to go pass by his house. Uh, he's still alive. He's still um doing. Uh, he's not playing. He hasn't played in twenty years. Uh, he kind of pretty much retired out of the music industry. But um, you know, I talked to him, and he I was supposed to go by his house, and then I I, I didn't I hadn't done it yet. So I'm I'm being a little tardy on that end because I. I need to pay a homage to um to my um to the people that I feel that's was very instrumental in 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 me going past you know what they started with me you know absolutely I I, I mentioned his name in pretty much every interview I do you know yeah teachers are so important and you are such you you you've must have had so many different musicians over the years come up and thank you for everything that you know all the doors that you opened to them and that's always has to be an interesting thing right to be able to kind of go like humi hum humbly like thank because you're extremely humble already uh you know <laughs> but to kind of be like thanks but you know you don't I seem mean, like uh, someone who relishes always, in it always kind of embarrassed you know because you know I, um i you know i haven't gotten to that point right where, where where i feel that um I'm, I think I'm still learning. I'm still, I know, I know for a fact that I'm trying to, I want to learn how to become a better songwriter, you know? So, uh, um, so, and with that is being said, it's like when you're playing bass lines, you know, to, to accompany a vocal that you're going to try and sing, you might, you might, you might run into a lot of trouble because I run into a lot of trouble because I, you know, I, I write these songs, I write the bass lines first, you know, and then the lyrics come later. And sometimes the lyrics are in my lyrics, you know, the, the parts of them, I give the idea of what I want. Hmm. And then I give it to a, 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 someone, who, a lyricist, and they write out the lyrics. And then their lyrics come back to me, and some of them, are, words are just too long, or the lines are too long. 
you know, and 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 uh, um, you know, so I then I either have to change my base pattern, which now you know might bastardize the song, you know, because the groove the groove is around that bass line. So how do I, you know, you know, how do I play a bass line and sing this this melody, you know, this counter well melody, you know? I'm still learning how to do that. You know, I think this new record is 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 the closest I've come to, you awesome. know, to done. And there's two songs on this record that I have not touched yet. Three, actually, three of them. I have not touched because um, you know, I can't sing them and play them. <laughs> Could do it in the studio. I have to pick it. I can't like there's certain songs that I won't sing because I'm like, this bass line. I need to have my fun on that, yeah. you know, and it's just uh, cats down under stars. There's this tune, uh, Jerry, a Jerry Garcia band tune. And I'm like, no, somebody else got to sing that. Cause that be, I want all that bass line. <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I can't, nothing can be compromised. <laughs> so, and then in my band, my keyboard player will actually play bass. Like we'll try to match our, our bass volumes yeah so even if it's just the bridge where i'm like i just can't get that syncopation across the vocal at the same time so he'll take that or just take the whole, the whole boat. while i'm singing yeah and then the solo right. section i'll pick it up so but yeah ballads i find it easier and just certain songs you know it's but you're gonna come up against it at some point where it's like at some man, point yeah I mean, I know there's three songs in in uh, in my outfit too that um that Mike plays the keyboard bass on it, you know, and, and it's like um it's like it, well two of them were actually wrote with the bass line being um um, um was it, remember remember back in the days when the mini bowl was the thing that was the yeah. sound that was the sound that was going after and they hadn't come up with flow pedals yet that that kind of gave you that mini mode, that information. I don't think they still haven't done it yet. Yeah. But um, um, so Mike plays those those bass lines, and you know, and there's one on uh, on the on my um last record that um that we did that I have Mike playing the bass line just because you know it's it's a great tune. I can't. It's just it's too wordy for me to play the uh, um, the bass line and 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 sing it. You know? So I, I abandoned those things. Then I that one that the, the two wordy one, I just kind of stopped doing it. You know, it's, it's a great tune. I just I just won't sing it no more. You know, it's yeah. It's live in studio or different things, you know? Oh yeah. Different. Oh yeah. And you want to be able to put your best foot forward. I, it used to be blow my mind just because I came from uh that background where everything you could do in the studio, you could do live. You know, I would hear right, these bands right. like on Saturday Night Live and I was like, wow, that does not sound like the record. <laughs> like, <laughs> who's, that must have taken a long time to do that record. <laughs> you, know, ah, you guys still couldn't do it live, you know, but my favorite bands always sound better live than yeah. in the studio, you know. <laughs> Well, that's the that's the fun thing about certain music where it's like they're working out the album on stage a year before the album comes out. 
Right, right, right. That's neat. That's like those songs go into the studio already. Like you, you've stretched that out. Like it's nice and yeah. beat up. Yeah, like you beat that mitt up right. a little bit, and then that's what's know. happening with the, my Porter Trio record. That's the next project that that we um, that we done. Um, that we did twenty seven Porter Trio tracks, and and we've been recording that band. You know, every Monday for the last four years, three and a half years. Wow. And, and and we kind of come into the point now. We played about seven of those of those sessions songs live, and we kind of leaning more towards the live version hmm. being the record rather than the studio stuff, you know. And uh, um, yeah, it's like you know, you like you say, you get you get to work work them out, and, you know, and, and it, it, well, it's then again, then you get to feel you know, for me as a singer. Because three of those songs are vocal songs, and I, I sing them better because I've redone, I've reworked my bass line, you know. So, uh, um, yeah, oh, the bass line, yeah, you know, this one just feels, this feels better. It's almost close to what's on the record, but you know, this is, you know, this yeah. is this this is working now, you know. So yeah. Did you, did, did you ever um like with with vocals? Did you embark on like? vocal lessons at an early age or was that more kind of towards or have you ever never i never you know, I, I well you know i actually don't consider myself a singer but um i i do it because people say that i'm i'm okay at it. <laughs> so, you know, you know, but uh i mean i was i was a big fan of rich Charles and uh, a big fan of um, earl king and uh and i i, I like sam cook so there was there was certain um, melodies uh, 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 that you know that I liked, and then I, I, I'll kind of figure out how to do that. And I, you know, even Aaron Neville, Aaron Neville had some input on how I approached singing some songs, both Aaron and Art, but mostly Ray Charles. Ray Charles, Ray Charles just kind of gave me. That that you know, I heard when I heard that town and country album, you know, I said, "Man, this is some of the best singing I ever heard in my life." Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And then, so then, you know, and then, and then, then a few years later, he did "America the Beautiful." That just blew my brains out. I said, "Whoa, what this is?" You know? Yeah. I I just I just never thought that that could be done that way. <laughs> well, your singing has that kind of same effect you know it's like you make it so your own i mean that's a great thing i mean besides just being you know otherworldly but he just makes it his own you know and that part we can all do whether we could sing as good as him or not you know (laughs) but you make it so your own man it just is like to hear you sing a grateful dead song it it made you stick out even farther to me, like your uniqueness mm. in a way, like when I hear you in the context of like New Orleans stuff, it's just as great. But then to hear you sing Eyes of the World or Sugar I was just like, whoa. I mean, it just, it stopped time for me. So I really <laughs> like to hear your singing on this record. Cause uh, well, we, yeah, I'm excited for this. really excited about, about, about hearing you, you singing uh, um, um, on these, on these dead and company stuff too, man. You know, Denise, Denise, do you know Otil sings? I say, 
Well, no, I don't think I've ever really heard him sing. He said, well, you need to listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> we're all always, after every Dead & Co. song, we're going, maybe this will be an O'Teal tune. Maybe this will be an O'Teal tune. He's got the Ozone now, where everyone yeah. hangs out in the Ozone. I wish I had that thing on my voice. Like, you've got, man, it, you've, got a, you've got a real thing. It's a beautiful thing. So what was it like uh, uh, that first gig back <laughs> after not playing live along? Because I know you had to be like, all right. Oh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know I, that first gig back was the Maple Leaf, huh? Was it was the Maple Leaf show? Yeah, it was a uh, Maple Leaf in exile on a back porch of uh, Southport Music Hall. Wow. And, um, and, and, and you know, and, and it was, I don't know, you know, something, man, it was, it was, it was killing fun, you know, it was like, we never stopped playing, it was almost like we had never stopped playing, you know, I, you know, I'm really proud of the, the, the musicians that's, that's playing with, with, um, and with running partners and the trio, but basically, uh, um, the trio is just two other, you know, members of the running partners that's just, the drummer and the keyboard player and myself. And what are their names? Uh, Terrence Houston is the drummer, and uh, and Mike Lemler is the keyboard player. And Mike and Michael has been playing with me for almost twenty eight years. Wow! And uh, you know, and and he knows he he knows me musically. You know, as he he got he's got chord voicings that you know that that makes you know he just knows that. You know, you make me smile. <laughs> you know, That's how he, Kofi was, man. Kofi yeah. just had the voicings and the movement, and it, I was just like, man. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. That, 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 and those kind of things, man. You know, you can't. You, 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 you know, you, 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 it's just so enjoyable to hear. You know, it, it's just so. Yeah, I, I can't imagine how it, how it is missing. You know, missing what Kofi used to put on, man. You know, just a few times I played with him, man. It was like, wow. Yeah, yeah, man. And I'm happy. I, I'm glad you're back to it now. You know, one question I want to ask you because it's something we touch on the podcast a lot, and um, we deal a lot with mental health, life on the road. You know, um, trying to keep your head together and your spirit together. And so, one of my favorite things about you is your longevity. You know that you're still here that you didn't drink yourself to death, do, you know, heroin or whatever. Like, how did you avoid the drug, alcohol? What what was your key to lasting long? Well, well, I didn't avoid it. I mean, I I got loaded for probably yeah. 30 years. <laughs> I've been sober. Uh, I, I lost count. I think it's 32 years now that I've been nice. sober. Nice. Uh, um, so what makes me get up still every day and, and, and not think about, you know, getting, getting high or drinking anymore. So just, um, I think it's just the fact that I, that was too close to being dead and I kind of like being alive. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's, prob there's probably a much better answer out there. No, that's the so honest I just, one. I just, I just can't think of it. You know, it's like, you know, I'm, 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 you know, 
it was like getting a read, a read, a, 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 a have to dig down really deep and find out your reasoning for being here. Yeah, you know, uh, um, I after, when I got sober, I, I I got sober for for the because I thought I, I was losing my family. That was very important to me. Um, I was losing my family almost as much more than losing my life. How um, many, I knew have, that how if many, I, how many if kids I, do you have? Say that again. I was going to say you're talking about kids, wife and kid. How many kids do you have? Well, it just it was just Katrina and and, and Era, you know. That's the, um, but it was you know it was the two the two of them was very important to 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 my my total existence. Although in my ignorance, I didn't I didn't really pay much as much attention to it until I thought that that was gone. And you know when that that happened, you know it was just one time that that happened to me. And you know, I you know, Eric came back and found me all balled up in a knot, you know, crying and and, and saying, you know, and she called my mom and my mom put me on the phone. And I told my mom, she said, I told her, you just you got to get me off the streets. This is not working. I'm gonna, I'm, 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 you know, I'm getting ready to lose my life, everything. And my mom <laughs> called, made a phone call, and got me into a treatment center, and I never looked back. You know, wow. I never looked back. Thank God, man. Thank God. Yeah, because it's been a real, you know, it, the the type of music I came up listening to, you know, uh, and I'm, it's probably not even just that type of music. Like, it's pretty pervasive in our culture. But so many of my heroes died so young, you know. And oh yeah, and, 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 and friends for, and do for, the same thing. It's hard. Yeah, and for dumb reasons, you know. So just, yeah. just, I mean, you know, I mean, I. It's just a really sad, a sad part that you know, um, <clears throat> that the the getting high thing got to the point where it can kill you. It didn't in the beginning, but you know, because right. it has, you know, it had gotten, it had gotten so bad that. It could kill you. It has, I, you know, I mean, I just somewhere in between here or here, and it could kill you. I was happy I found me. <laughs> you know, it was like, yeah, you know, because yeah, you know, man, I saw this program the other day on television. I, you know, I never really was a big fan of Rick James, but man, that <clears throat> that guy had such an amazing career. Man, I mean, and he was, he was. He did some really, really good things, you know, uh, um, and it was like his his usage, you know, just got bigger than life, you know, and and it was like wow, and you know, it was like when I heard he died, the first thing that came to my mind was that somebody killed him, you know, it was like you know what I'm saying. But you know, he, he basically killed the city. So he had nine different kind of drugs in it. Wow. You know, how do you get to the point where you need nine different drugs to get <laughs> to get high? You know, I can't yeah. understand that. You know, I mean, cocaine in itself <laughs> was more than enough for me. You know, <laughs> yeah. He said, "I could have killed myself just fine with just that, just one, maybe two. I think I I heard George Carlin the other, I was listening to an interview with him and he was talking about, it was about drugs and about how he, 
you know, got away from it and all of that. But it was about how like in the beginning, it's more pain, more pleasure than pain. And then when you continue to do it, it's yeah. way more pain than it is pleasure. And now you're just trying to do it to avoid the pain that it's yeah. brought you, you know, yeah. like, and it's just, that's, that's a, yeah, it's sad. It's real sad. But then we're lucky to have folks like you that had that moment, that particular moment, you know, calling and asking for help. I think that's one of the things that we hear quite a bit on this podcast that we talk to people about is we all have that kind of moment that it's like, I can't do this alone. Yeah. And hopefully you have something that you want to live for. You know, I've certain drugs always scared me because I saw people that did have kids and wives and, and even that wasn't enough. And yeah. I'm like, wow, like you have to swim way far. And I get it. It's a gradual thing. It doesn't start out like that. It starts out just, Hey, blah, blah, blah. And then you get so far out to sea, much farther out than you realize. And I just, so I had that block, but you know, alcohol is just mm. bad as anything, you know, that was a struggle probably. for me. But now like with, with my wife and kids, it's just like, yeah, I mean, I can't even, I can't be hung over at 5.30 a.m. when they get up ready to go, <laughs> okay, dad, let's do this, you know. Yeah, it's right, like, right. Forget yeah. it, you know. So I'm glad that you had that to, to turn it to, you know turn that corner and uh and be here for all of us you know because it is i i need my heroes you know like the ones that are still alive and going strong it means so much more man i mean i have friends of mine still dying you know yeah you know it's like man you know yeah thank you yeah really and you know george also it's like for the for the pandemic when it hit um music was something that like, you know, that was the only thing that kept me sane. I had to shut the, my wife's a nurse practitioner. So she was like right in the thick of all of it, you know, and I just watched the news. I couldn't, it was freaking me out too much. And I dove head for, I tied weights to my ankles and just dove into every band that I love as far deep as I could. And I went so far back into your catalog and it made me so damn happy. Like for a couple minutes a day, I was able to kind of like forget that the world was falling apart. So yeah. it, to be able to thank you and to be to to you know get to chat with you for an hour is like just such a pleasure. And really, some stuff you recorded many decades ago brought uh, you know let the steam release off me in 2020 during a pandemic. So thank you. Oh, thank you, thank you. Yeah, you're right. And what's yes, the name of your album again? The uh, the new record is called um, "Crying for Crying Hope." Crying for Hope, yeah. And awesome. um, it's on a uh, um, what record label is this, baby? <laughs> He's like, <laughs> oh, color red. <laughs> You've been on so many labels, man. <laughs> yeah, this is, I mean, this is um, the, the record label is the um, the guitar player from um, from Britain. Eddie. Oh, Eddie Roberts. Eddie Roberts. Yeah, yeah, I love him. He's kind of he's kind of involved in this record label. Yeah. Oh, but he knows. We talked about you. We were on a gig together in the Bahamas, and of course, you know, gotta talk about George and Zig. <laughs> and just that, you know, he loves that that rhythm thing. I'm, and I want to check before we go to. I wrote down King Biscuit Boy, but you said the name also. His name is Richard Newman. 
Richard Newman. Because I'm going to go find that. And He's crying for Canadian hope. blues or player. And crying for hope is it's streaming on uh, all of the the yeah places yes you I, can believe, find I believe it, yeah. it, it is, the it is on YouTube. I just and checked. Oh, right there's now. a video. There's a video on YouTube. Oh, nice. Cool. All right, cool. So it's some old my, George my, and my very first my very first video. I've never done a video before. Nice, nice. Maybe we'll see you at the uh, MTV Video Music Awards next year. <laughs> they still do that <laughs> i don't know i have no idea i'm listening to old meters i'm not really paying attention to what's going on right now <laughs> well i hope i get to see you at a jazz fest soon jeez i know i, I need new or i need my jazz fest man. Been too can long. i ask george about the tour are you touring are you gonna you're gonna hit the road to support this album soon or um, we've been like, popping in and out you know doing you know, because you know, been we've been so cautious about uh, uh, about playing inside that you know we've kind of like not done as much work as we can. I'm kind of, I'm kind of. What the hell was that? It's okay. Oh, I, I was kind of, um, kind of um, not. I'm kind of pissing off the booking agents because he's bringing <laughs> dates to me, and, I, I hear and you, I'm man. telling, you gotta. and I'm telling them no. You know, uh, um, so. You know, so I'm hoping that um, you know that you know if the numbers if the, if the numbers continue to fall, that yeah. um, you know that we'll get back out there. But right now, I'm not I'm not too interested in playing those small rooms. You know, it's like man, this is like if it's I hear that. I can I don't have a problem playing outside, but you know, playing playing small rooms is is not gonna be good. That's what we're doing with Dead Cut Me. Well, I see your electrician got there. Yeah, the ladder <laughs> just walked by. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, <laughs> Thank, Thank you so you, much. And please stay safe, George. Yeah, you guys too, man. And love to the family, Hotel. Absolutely, man. Likewise, too. I love you, man. All right, man. Take care. Great to Hi. meet you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Osiris. Hey, we're Jen and Jess, hosts of the beauty podcast, Fat Mascara. And we're excited to tell you about Strivectin's new multi-action clear collection, which starts clearing acne blemishes in just one week. It's a three-step acne control system, cleanser, toner, and treatment lotion that's clinically shown to improve the look of acne and post-blemish marks without disrupting the skin's barrier. Visit Strivectin.com to learn more about the new Strivectin multi-action clear collection. Subscribe to emails and you'll get 15% off your first order. That's Strivectin.com. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett. 
Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 